This is Derek's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. After the third time jump-starting my car, I finally realized my battery was dying. So I stopped by O'Reilly to have it checked. They tested it right there in the parking lot. It was bad, real bad. But they helped me find the right battery for my car and even installed it for free. Now my car starts like new. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. No matter how early you're up or how late you're running, when you start your day at Speedway, we've got what you need to have a good morning. Always fresh coffee to wake you up, cold drinks and breakfast to keep you going, plus a full tank to get you where you need to go. Crunchy, chewy, swirled, or sprinkled. However you start your day, we've got it. To help make your morning a little better. Because when you get off to a better start, you go on to a better day. The convenience stores of Speedway. And Fanny broke up with me on Instagram. So I said, excuse me! She's pro wrestling's queen of mean, but behind the scenes, she's got a heart of gold and a lifetime of experiences from no holds barred tales of her relationships and rivalries to conversations with A-list superstars. The real Vicky Guerrero is ready to talk. Welcome to Excuse Me, the Vicky Guerrero Show. Excuse me! It's Vicky Guerrero. Excuse me. And thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful day on the Excuse Me podcast. Today I have, oh my gosh, where do I even start? This is a man who I have learned by watching him how to do my podcast. And I have been on his show and I have seen him with many of my friends. And what a true professional. The Jeep Celebration event is here, which means great deals on the SUVs built to stand the test of time are waiting. Hurry in before time runs out. Right now, financing at $4,250 total cash allowance on the purchase of select 2020 Jeep Compass Limited models and dealer stock the longest. On oldest 20% inventory of 2020 Compass Limited models as of 3-3-2020 while dealer stock lasts. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 3-31-2020. Jeep is a registered trademark. He is. Everyone, please welcome Chris Van Vliet. <laughs> Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, Vicky. Thank you so much for having me on. Congrats to you and Jerry for you know the success of the show, and I'm just so excited for you. Oh my gosh, I I learned from the best. How's that to start our conversation? Wow. Well, that has set the bar awfully high. Uh, but <laughs> thank you for the kind words. I don't know if they're truthful or not, but I appreciate that. Well, sometimes I lie, but today I'll tell the truth. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if you're lying or not. Now this is this is what you're doing. I'm not. I'm not, and I'm even smiling about you. How's that? <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Vicky, and it's such a pleasure to be on. And it's always nice to be on this side of the interview for a change. So I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, you know, it's it's such a, a great time for me to have you on the show. Um, for my listeners who don't know who you are or are a little familiar with you. I'm just going to um, highlight you for like a good three minutes. Uh, you are a keynote <laughs> speaker. <laughs> um, you're a four-time Emmy Award TV host, a professional film critic. Um, a uh, Oh, my gosh. You're on YouTube. You're an entertainment reporter for Fox. And you're on the show Deco Drive in Miami. I mean, when do you sleep? 
Yeah, but you know, you know what it's like though. None of these are real jobs. It's like, you know, if you're enjoying what you're doing, it's uh, it's not real work. And I've been so fortunate, so blessed to be able to do all these things. And now we're really taking it to the YouTube and the podcast world. And that's been so much, you know, so fun is reaching this mass audience. As you know, it's a worldwide audience online and it's so cool to be able to reach them. Yeah, I was happy to put you on that side of the microphone because uh, you're so great. And when you interview, I mean, I, I say from experience because some interviewers, you know, they it, it's hard for them to hold a, a conversation or to have questions, but you made it so easy. And um, from my experience with Jerry Strauss, my producer, it said, hey, you want to do a podcast? And I was like, I went to your page on YouTube and I was like, I'm going to watch Chris because he. Oh, he, come on. No, I'm serious because I didn't. I, I mean, me, a podcaster. I mean, I'd rather be in the middle of the ring, you know, cheating and making someone pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Lying, cheating and stealing, right? Yeah, that's right. So how did have you always been into broadcasting or was it something that you changed careers or tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, this was like a passion of mine since I was a little kid, like my parents probably still have the cassette tapes from the Fisher Price tape recorder that I had when I was four years old, <laughs> emulating, emulating the radio broadcast that I grew up listening to. And this is something that I always wanted to do. And I'm going to be honest, it seems like such a long shot because there's not a lot of these jobs out there. And I wanted to work in radio and television. And when I was in high school, we had a class called communication studies where we went out and we filmed a TV segment and at the end of the week, we all watched each other's segments, and then we voted on which one was the best. And I always found myself in front of the camera, despite the fact that you could have been the camera guy, the audio guy, you know, whatever, <laughs> any of the behind-the-scenes jobs. I was always the host. So I had this kind of, like, idea that if I was going to decide at 17 years old what we were going to do for the rest of our lives by picking a college major, I'm like, well, the communication studies class was pretty fun. So I majored in communication studies in college. And then, you know, obviously that, that doesn't exactly prepare you for the real world. College is a lot of fun and you learn a lot about like what mixes with vodka and rum and which beers to avoid. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> right. But I didn't feel like it was preparing me that much for like what to do after that. And I had this epiphany in my senior year of college. It was like, oh my God, like when I graduate at the end of this year, I'm going to have to work for the next 40 or 50 years and I didn't want to do something that I hated so I like put you know I put all in all my effort in on volunteering radio stations and tv stations and interning and getting as much experience as I could get so that when I graduated I could slide into a job and that's kind of how my path went and that was 15 years ago an internship at a tiny station outside of my hometown my hometown is uh just outside of Toronto but I was interning at a station in Peterborough, Ontario at a TV station. They ended up hiring me on for, uh, you know, to be a news reporter. I was driving an hour each way, 60 miles each way, just so I could have this experience. And it was free at first. Eventually they started paying me, you know, a handful of dollars an hour, but that was where it all kind of started for me. And here I am 15 years later, and I'm fortunate to be able to say that I've, you know, made a somewhat of a career out of this. Absolutely. I mean, so, you know, from from the TV station, how did you, um, was Fox first or what, what was your first, you know, to start interviewing these big stars? Because I, 
I mean, you have hours and hours on your YouTube of just interviews and it's so, it, it's just entertaining just to, you know, on a rainy day, just to go through all your videos. But how did this start to where you went from the news station to a big platform like Fox and started getting into being an entertainment reporter? So it started off at that, you know, that small station outside my hometown. And I was a, I was a news reporter. I was like death and destruction. Although there's not a lot of death and destruction <laughs> in a small town. Maybe more destruction, but not a lot of death in this small town. <laughs> so I was there for a year and a half, and I'm like, I'm 22 years old at the time. I'm like, I don't want to be a news reporter the rest of my life. This has afforded me the opportunity to be on TV and really, you know, get some great experience. But I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. And I went to an open casting call for Much Music, which in Canada is kind of like the MTV of Canada. And I went to an open casting call and there was like hundreds of people in this line. And this giant security guard pulls me aside as soon as I got in there. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> and he goes, don't worry, you're not in trouble. They want to see the people they're interested in first before getting to everybody else. And I'm like, oh, wow. But that's like, that's amazing that I, I, I'm already making this sort of impression. And that really went a long way for me. And it took a while, but I ended up getting a job with MTV2 Canada. I picked up my entire life, moved it to Vancouver, and I was hosting this great show. And unfortunately, we had like a big media conglomerate, bought this other media conglomerate, and our show got canceled. And here I was after hosting my dream show, my dream job. I was 24 at that time. I had no job. And I had to like pack up my car, drive myself back to move in with my parents. And I, I didn't have a job. I was unemployed for seven months and broadcast is what I wanted to do. So I started looking into getting an agent in the U S because if I couldn't get a job in Canada and I had kept applying for jobs and auditioning for these hosting jobs and I wasn't getting them. I'm like, if I can't get a job in my own country, I'm going to look elsewhere. And I started auditioning in the U S and that's when I got a job at the CBS affiliate in Cleveland as an entertainment reporter spent five years there. And then I was hosting a show called Deco Drive in Miami for the last five years. And it's been amazing. Like I've been to the Oscars and the Grammys. I was fortunate to win four Emmy Awards, uh, like you mentioned, while I was there. And I've interviewed not just wrestlers, and I think a lot of your audience will be familiar with the wrestling interviews that I've done. But I've been fortunate to interview like almost every star you can possibly think of, every celebrity, every actor from Tom Cruise to Sandra Bullock to Oprah to Gerard Butler, you know, you name it. I've, I've been able to interview them. And I just feel really fortunate that this is what I've been able to do for a living. Yeah, I, I think I finally uh, had a day when I hated you with a passion because you <laughs> interviewed J-Lo. And when I saw your interview, my mouth dropped because I love her. I mean, I was fangirling. And you look so relaxed and just interviewing her. And I was just like... <laughs> oh, I want to be your friend that day because what an honor. I mean, this is JLo. I mean, she's huge. And what an, I mean, I'm so proud of you because that's really, you know, for, for, for you to be trusted, you know, with these celebrities, that says a lot about your work. Well, thank you, Vicki. And, you know, I think, I think I realized early on in my career, and you know this from working in the wrestling world for so long. We idolize these people and we look up to them because of their great accomplishments. But at the end of the day, they're just people. And yeah. <laughs> I think that as soon as I started approaching these interviews, number one, as conversations, just I'm having a conversation with somebody. And number two, just realizing that they're another person who's yeah. just happened to, you know, ha had some great goals and have chased after them. 
I think that that really changed the dynamic of the style of interviews that I had. Instead of putting this person on a pedestal and going, oh, you're so great, I could never do what you do, you go, hey, you were in the same spot as me. Maybe it was 10 <laughs> years ago, maybe it was 20 years ago, maybe it was 40 years ago, whatever it happens to be. But you just worked really hard at this. I can learn something from that. Yeah, you know, um, so I, I have... I mean, I have so many things to, to ask you, but I know you're a wrestling nerd and you, and you have plenty of, you know, professional wrestlers <clears throat> on your interviews. Do you, with you being a nerd and enjoying the product, <laughs> do, do you still do your research or do you just kind of let it fly where you're just like, I'm just going to talk from what, they, what they're doing today? Or do you really go back to a lot of their background or how is it that you prepare it with you watching the, you know, being a fan of the product? I think that I want to, if it's someone I've inter I'm interviewing for the first time, I want to hit on all the big things that I think that people would be interested in. And I think that me being a wrestling nerd, and I wear that badge of honor proudly, so thank you for saying that. I, I labeled uh, you I think that. that me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that me being a wrestling nerd helps out a lot because I at least have my finger on the pulse a little bit of what people might be interested in. And, and I use Google and I use YouTube as a resource. If I type in... Let's say I'm interviewing someone like Vicky Guerrero. Uh, I, will, I will go to YouTube and I will see what the top search terms are for you. And that just shows me that's what people are most interested in. So I'll try to work that into my interviews. And I think that you can never be too prepared for an interview because you never know which direction it's going to go. And if they take it in a direction that you're not prepared for, it can make <laughs> you look really bad if they start talking about something that you have no idea what that is. So. I, I try to prepare as much as I can, whether it's by watching matches or reading up or watching other interviews or reading other interviews, just so I can know as much as I possibly can so that if the interview goes left when I thought it was going to go right, I can go left with them. Yeah, this, you're, you're such a great inter, uh, interviewee because this leads me to my next question. So I was watching, um, I, I know you have a girlfriend, a girlfriend Alana Martella, who um, you know, you've seen for quite a while, but this one interview, I want to kind of blend these two questions together. So you interviewed <laughs> Dakota Johnson and Leslie Mann. And it ended up yeah. being the interview on you because they wanted to see your, your chest and they wanted you to strip your shirt <laughs> off. And, and they, you talked about these famous pickup lines, which I thought were awful, Chris. They, they were, were horrible. Awful. Yeah. So did you? So it was really a funny interview, and I love Dakota and Leslie's expressions for you because you know uh, it was really funny because the tables got turned on you. But did you use those famous pickup lines on Alana when you first met her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I, and it, if, if anyone goes back and watches this interview, which is now an infamous interview that you know gone viral with I think like something like two million views or something. Yeah. Uh, let me set this up. I so I, I went to the interview. <laughs> Dakota Johnson and Leslie Mann for this film called How to Be Single. And everyone that was walking out of their interview room was saying, oh, they're, they're such a tough interview. You're not going to get anything out of them. So I went in just going, well, this isn't going to be very good. And as soon as I sat down, they just started being really playful and flirting with me. And, and it was like, and I was, yeah, I was like, I didn't, I didn't expect this at all. And I'm like, well, let's see how much further I can push this. So I just kept like, I don't know. I had a four-minute interview with them, and I'm like, let's see how far I can go with this. Like, cause this, is, this is going in a direction no one expected. Yeah. And I just kept kind of rolling with it, and so did they. And I had prepared those terrible pickup lines, knowing they were bad. 
because the movie's about dating and how to, sure, you know, it's, it's talking sure. about this. Yeah, you, <laughs> the movie's about dating and how terrible dating can be sometimes. So I'm like, if I go in with some really bad pickup lines, they can like rate them out of 10 and we'll at least have a little bit for the interview. And oh. so the, to answer your other question, no, thank God I did not use any of those, inter, uh, those um, pickup lines to get my current girlfriend because I don't <laughs> think that she would be my current girlfriend if I used those lines on her. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you did it because I'd have been embarrassed being your friend. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember what was, they were really bad. Like they oh, were like really a, bad lines. Something about a library card. Like, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are are you a library? Do you have your library card? Because I'm checking you out. Yeah, and then the other one was Google, <laughs> a Google search, or what was? Do you remember that one? I can't remember what it was. But um, it was Google. Uh, Oh, I don't know. It was, was, it was horrible. Were so, I, I've tried to erase them from my memory because the other part of the interview is that much more memorable. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a, a true interview with the tables getting turned on you. And I thought it was it was priceless, and I loved it so much. It's an interesting moment that I don't think could be repeated in the world that we live in in 2020. <laughs> but you know, the fact that that happened in 2016 made for a... <laughs> Made for a fascinating time, and uh, yeah, one of one of many celebrity interviews of mine that have uh, fortunately or unfortunately gone viral. Yeah, I encourage all my listeners to go look at that interview on uh, Chris Van Let's uh, YouTube channel because it is so funny, and uh, I just you have to check out how much he blushes and how red his face can get because it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was so, something. Yeah. So, Chris, you, um, so you're saying that you currently live in Ohio and you're getting ready to move to Los Angeles. Uh, why, the, why the move from small town to a big city like Los Angeles? Well, Ohio has always felt like my American hometown. So I'm a Canadian, born and raised, like I said, just outside of Toronto. I'm from a town called Pickering, Ontario. And I lived in Ohio and Cleveland for five years, and it's always kind of felt like my American home. So I was in Cleveland for also five years. Sorry, I was in Miami for also five years hosting this show on Fox called Deco Drive. It's been a very entertaining and amazing entertainment show. And it was time for me to do my own thing. And YouTube was doing really big. And I had made a few appearances on AEW. I've been in some movies recently and some commercials. And just stuff was really building. So I could really be located anywhere with what was going on. And my girlfriend, Elena, just got a job in... Uh, Cincinnati, which is her hometown. And I'm like, well, this is, you know, this is perfect. I can go back to Ohio. I can be with you and I can really live anywhere with my job. And I've been here for about six months now. And ironically, all the jobs I've had have really been taking me to the West coast. And I've spent so much time in LA with my previous jobs. Almost all the celebrity interviews I've done have been there. So it just seems like the proper next step for me to pick things up and go to LA where there's just so many more opportunities there. And I was supposed to actually move this week. I was supposed to move two days ago. And with everything that's been going on and the hysteria of the world right now and the uncertainty, it's just not the right time for me to move out there if, you know, if there's not going to be a lot of things that are open. So I'm kind of sitting here waiting to see how this shakes out throughout the month of April. And uh, I'll be out there hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, it, I mean, LA is the true mecca of, you know, all the entertainment, you know, world, which is, a, I mean, I understand your move. Uh, I, I think Houston's great, but, you know, all the commercials and auditions, 
everyone talks about LA. And so I, I understand that, but also at the same time, you can enjoy your girlfriend while you're waiting for your move. And, you know, at least you have good company there. You got to say that much. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in a rush to leave her. I just want to like, I'm so, I, I'm so goal driven and I, I'm, yeah. I really want to be doing more. And I, I wake up every day with what I'm doing right now and it's amazing. And I'm so fortunate to be able to be afforded the opportunities that I've had, but I just, I'm hungry for so much more and there's not as many opportunities in Cincinnati as there would be in Los Angeles. And almost all my friends from the industry uh, and TV hosting and broadcasting live there as well. So it's like, it's kind of win-win. And as you know, a lot of wrestlers uh, are located there as well. So it's great for the for the podcast and the YouTube channel. Absolutely. Wow, that's awesome. All right, guys, we're going to come back uh, about uh, two minutes, and we're going to take a commercial break. Okay, everyone, we're talking with Chris Van Leet from the, the famous Chris Van Leet YouTube channel, um, Emmy Award winner, a professional film critic, and my friend, and such um, a mentor of mine of how he – uh, with his interview skills and just the professionalism that he uses. Chris, I, I'm so thankful that you're on my show today. And I just want to thank you again. I want to thank you. And again, congratulations on doing this. I mean, you've got your hand in a lot of different things. And yeah. I don't know how you had room on your plate for a podcast, but, you know, kudos to you for doing this. Oh, thanks. Um, I wanted to, I just want to pick your brain because I'm fascinated by your work. And I, I told you that when we were off air that, you know, when I was, when I was going to be asked to do this podcast, um, you know, my producer, Jerry Strauss, you know, I thought he was, lo he lost his mind to ask me, but um, it was, it was such a, a different world. And, and you interviewed me uh, last year in WrestleMania in New York city. And I just, I, I fell in love with the whole process of, you know, getting interviewed and then seeing the finished product at the end and, and just watching you and you've interviewed so many of my good friends and, and celebrities that I admire. I just, I, I love your work and, and I've learned so much just from watching you that um, I felt that, you know, I was going to be okay as long as I had a good friend to fall back on. And this is, I thought this was my great opportunity to ask you some questions. <laughs> Please bring it on. Let's hear it. Okay. So what kind of advice could you give me in running a podcast? Well, I don't know if I need to give you any advice because you guys seem to be doing a great job right now, but I would think that the biggest thing that I learned early on is People aren't listening to your podcast because of you. People aren't watching your YouTube channel because of you. People aren't looking, liking your Instagram post because of you. They're doing it because of who they are. So they're not doing it because of who you are. They're doing it because of who they are. Mm -hmm. And if you can hold that mirror up during your interviews and be cognizant of the people who are listening, I think that you'll get a lot further than the people who go, you're tuning in because of me. I'm the star and I'm going to put out whatever I want. So YouTube should actually be renamed them too, because it's about them. It's about the audience. It's about the people who are watching your stuff because without them, it's just me and you having a phone call right now. And right. I think that that's really important to keep that in mind. So I think that that's the thing you need to lead with, uh, you know, always thinking of what the audience would want first. That's awesome. Um, and so from all your years of experience, who was your favorite interview? Well, it's got to be The Rock. <laughs> I mean, he's my favorite wrestler of all time, and I had him at the very top of my list 
of people I wanted to interview. And I was fortunate to be able to interview him for the first time in 2012, actually backstage at Raw. He was preparing for his match with Cena. And it was before The Rock had really become the Dwayne Johnson that we know now. Obviously, he was still a big wrestling star, and he was making his way in the movies, but he really hadn't had a huge break. And right after that, he had G.I. Joe 2 and Fast and Furious 5, and everything just kind of exploded from him then. But as you know, The Rock is the kindest, nicest, funniest person, and he has this amazing star quality about him where he makes you feel special, even though he is well aware that he's the biggest movie star in the world. He goes out of his way to make you feel special. And uh, there's something really great about that that I think we can all learn from. So The Rock, for sure, outside of wrestling, Tom Cruise was my favorite. He's my favorite actor. Oh, my God. Wow. Spend some time <laughs> with him was, was amazing. Wow. That's 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 pretty cool. I mean, you throw out some big names there. I mean, I know The Rock. I mean, professionally, um, I think – I have some bitter feelings against him because I thought that he truly loved me at one point of my career, you know, but he wanted to throw his singing talent at me and which insulted my life. And I thought <laughs> that was detrimental to my heart. Vicky, he wrote a song about you. It doesn't get any better than that. Oh, it was so great, Chris. It was such a great night for me. <laughs> well, it's certainly memorable. Yeah, but I mean, truly, but uh, honestly, on a friendship basis, he's just, he gives his sleeve off his arm just to help someone. And he's, I mean, I know his whole family is just all about love and, you know, giving to everyone else. And so I, I agree with you. He's a great guy. And how, how much talent, I mean, whoever thought that he was going to go from wrestling to this huge movie star? I mean, it's so awesome to see him grow, you know, throughout his career. Well, I think what's so impressive about The Rock is he thought that he was well, he was a massive name in wrestling, a huge star, the biggest star at the time, him and Stone Cold were. And he thought, okay, I can just transition this into the movie world. And it didn't exactly happen like that. Like The Rock that we know and love now in 2020 wasn't the same guy who was making Race to Witch Mountain and the Tooth Fairy and the Game Plan. Like, <laughs> right. And yeah. I think that we kind of forget about that because he's had so many other hits since with Pain and Gay and the Fast and Furious movies and yeah. you know, everything else and Jumanji and everything else that The Rock has done, uh, Moana. But I think that it, his transition wasn't an easy one. And I think there's a real lesson to be learned there that like it takes hard work and dedication to your craft to become good at something. You can't just show up and go, Hey, I'm Dwayne Johnson. Let's let's make this thing yeah. happen. Like, uh, and and I appreciate the lessons and hard work that The Rock has shown us through all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Very humble person, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, here's another question, Chris. Um, what is an embarrassing moment you had during an interview? I mean, uh, being asked to remove my shirt during the interview with Dakota Johnson and Leslie Mann was. <laughs> I mean, I was that was. I, I like to say I'm prepared for everything, but I don't know if I was prepared for that one. But there's another viral <laughs> moment where I, where I interviewed Anne Hathaway and she was getting ready to do The Dark Knight Rises. And we had just seen the first photos of her as Catwoman and she looked like she was in incredible shape wearing this super tight leather outfit as Catwoman. And I asked her, how do you fit into that suit? And she gives me this like, you know, funny answer. Oh, I've been you know, hitting the gym and tricep 
pearls and all this stupid stuff. And I'm like, how much, how much weight did you lose to get into the shape that you're in right now? And she's like, ah, how am I, oh, how much weight did I lose? What a forward young man you are asking that question. And I meant it in the nicest, kindest way. And I meant it as an actor or actress, you know, you often have to gain or lose weight for a role. Christian Bale did it for the machinist and put on a bunch of weight when he played Dick Cheney. Um, Renee Zellweger gained a bunch of weight when she was, you know, doing uh, uh, Bridget Jones' Diary. But I understand that it is not the best question to ask a woman. Very good knowledge, Chris. That's good knowledge for you. <laughs> so that moment, uh, that moment will, uh, you know, go down in infamy uh, with however many million views that has on YouTube. But oh my god, that was a fun one. I, I didn't mean it. And she was just joking with me, which was fun, but. At, this, at the time, I didn't know that she was joking. I was like, ah, I, I, I'm sorry. Didn't mean it like that. <laughs> okay, so now looking back at all your years of experience, is there someone that you haven't been able to interview that you have on your list to look forward to? Well, like I said, it was The Rock for the longest time, and now I've been able to interview The Rock nine times. Not that I'm counting or anything. Oh, um, no, no. But yeah. <laughs> The number one on the list now is Vince McMahon. And I obviously would like to have a great conversation with him about wrestling, but he's also just a brilliant businessman and a brilliant entrepreneur. And I would love to just have a conversation with him about everything that he's done. And I doubt that this will happen, but I will keep putting it out into the universe as that's the person that I would love to have a conversation with. You know, that's so funny you say that because, you know, everyone that asked me when I was working in WWE was, oh my gosh, well, how was Vince McMahon? And in my experience, even with Eddie, he was like a big dad to us. He was our, our true mm. father figure. And, you know, he would walk down the hallways in the arena and he has his, you know, manly shuffle and he, didn't, he has a straight face with his briefcase. But every time I would get him behind closed doors, he became just this humbled, quiet man that sat there and listened to everything I wanted to say. And, and people wow. don't, be that you know and um if there's anything that my one regret of leaving wwe was that i wasn't gonna able i wasn't able to see vince mcmahon on a daily basis at work because every mm. mo every day he would just always say how are the how are the girls guerrero you know and or if i you know if i if i had a great segment he's like damn it guerrero that was freaking nut you know that was just awesome and i loved <laughs> it you know but then of course when i screwed up he just looked at me and I would look away and i'm like yeah <laughs> but what a great guy you know i mean just uh he's again we talk about these big celebrities but everyone puts their pants on the same way and we all breathe the same way and we're just living yes. our, our our normal life yes and i don't think that with someone like vince you can be as successful as he's been if you're not treating people well and i think that you see that all across the board with Anyone who owns a business of any size or anyone who's a, been a successful entrepreneur is they treat people well, because at the end of the day, that's the most important part of any business is the people. And I appreciate uh, when I hear stories like that about Vince, I appreciate that he puts people first. He does. Yeah. And they, people don't see that, you know, when they see him, you know, on TV and people judge me for the person I was, you know, like they think I was such a bitch and I was just like, you know, just yeah. scream, scream all day long at everyone. And I go to comic Con, they're like, wow, you smile and you're, you're very pleasant. And I'm like, well, you're not paying me to be a bitch right now. 
Yeah, you are you are the nicest woman ever, and you're so kind and you're so thoughtful with everybody oh. uh, with everybody that you interact with. And I think that more people need to see that. Well, I think it comes it comes back in circles, you know. So whatever I give out to people, I think it's important to be treated as you want to be treated among everyone else. And I, I truly yeah. believe in that a lot. Um, so, Chris, doing your interviews, do you? Um, do you think it's smart to bring politics and religion into your interviews or do you keep it very, do you keep it very, you know, uh, monotone to where you're not rippling any waves with your viewers? Yeah, I don't, I think this, this should be treated like a Thanksgiving dinner. Like, you know, you don't want your crazy <laughs> uncle John talking about politics or religion. I think that it should be the same in an interview. Like I, I'd like to make it as much of a neutral ground as possible, whether you're a, Democrat or Republican or whether you're black, white, red, purple or whatever. I want you yeah. to be able to sit down and watch my interviews, watch these conversations and just appreciate them for what they are. I, I try to shine a light on the guests that I'm sitting down with and maybe have them share some things that they've never shared before. Maybe have them talk about some viewpoints on things that they've never talked about before. The last thing I want to do is have anything that's controversial. If they yeah. happen to lead us down that path and it makes sense, maybe. But if if someone starts to go off on some tangent about how they don't like this world leader or that world leader, I just try to steer the conversation back to some more neutral ground, I think. Yeah, that, that's smart. Yeah, because today it's such a, a sensitive subject you know, in the world. And I, I do agree with that. And that's where I'm asking you these questions because I, I'm – I just value your opinion so much because, um, you know, I, I'm new at this and, and to hear, you know, your opinion and advice really means a lot to me. Um, well, know, so thank I, you. I, think I appreciate you, Yeah. No, I appreciate you saying that. I think the biggest thing is for you or anybody else who's getting into podcasting or interviewing or YouTubing is number one, realize that you're just going to get better every single time. So I would say it, it might be difficult to do it, but listen back to your episodes and, Think about in your interviews and think about what you did right, what you did, you know, that wasn't as great. You can work on that. And I think the other thing is to just, uh, you know, keep doing this and, and keep putting your best foot forward and realizing that if you treat these as a conversation and not just an interview, I think that you'll go a lot further. You know, if you and I sat down and, you know, had a drink tonight, you wouldn't think, oh, my God, I have to spill an hour. Oh, what am I going to do? We would just conversation would just flow and it would be great and yeah. i think that if you could approach your interviews in the same way uh, you'll knock it out of the park like you've been doing oh thank you chris um and so remind all my listeners where they can find you on social media so it's my name at chris van vliet v-a-n-v-l-i-e-t if you are a youtube subscriber thank you so much thanks for being on this journey with me and if you're not um maybe you can take a few seconds today to check out some interviews that i've had with some of the people we've talked about, like The Rock or like Vicky Guerrero. Can, you know, I've done two interviews with you, Vicky. I did one I last year at Mania. The other one I did was uh, when you and Dolph had a thing. Yeah, you and Dolph have a lot of interviews together. I'm kind of jealous because uh, I, need to, I need to top that, that score so I can get more interviews than Dolph does. <laughs> well, I think I've done something like 16 or 17 interviews with Dolph. So uh, yeah. He's a two-show You've got some off. catching up to do. But, you know, I've never, I've never kissed Dolph. Uh, you have. So you've got a different <laughs> relationship with him than I do. Yeah, the girls hate me for that, but I don't care. Whatever, as long as they spell my name right, <laughs> the news, 
that's all I care about because Eddie always told me it doesn't matter what kind of publicity you, you have as long as they spell your name right that's a good day <laughs> yeah no absolutely I saw I saw your uh, a little snippet in uh, that you're gonna be in this this Chris Benoit uh, um, thing with Vice? What, what's it called? Yeah, Beyond it, the Ring? It's the Dark Side of the Ring, and it's March Dark Side 20- of the Ring. Yeah, uh, March 24th. Uh, it's on Vice TV, and they've been working. You know, my nephew Chavo Jr. is in it, and um, gosh, we have uh, Chris Jericho who's narrating, and the the crew at Vice have been working so many months on this, and it was something that you know we we wanted to give light on Chris Benoit's death, and you know with Nancy and uh, you know their son. We we were not about talking about how it happened. We were talking about the person that we know our friends i mean chris and nancy you know and daniel and david they've been our family for years you know and people you know right away just wanted to x them out of everything in life and we wanted to shed a different light to that you know we don't know what happened or we don't know what was going on that day but in in the midst of things you know i miss my friends and nancy was like a sister to me and um you know so it's a different perspective view on how we wanted to show people who these you know who chris was and there's a relationship with eddie and him that they focus on quite a bit and it's just a really um great segment i haven't seen the finished product but you know that trailer came out yesterday or the day before and i was like i was so yeah. proud of it and you know i just I, I can't wait to see everything they've done with it and all the footage and i gave so many photos and just different um you know, things that I kept as keepsakes. And so I'm really happy that the fans are going to see what this great person that Chris Benoit was, that he was just a big teddy bear and he was just full of love. And we just share a lot of really intimate moments that, you know, there's a couple of times that I was just, I would just start crying because it's, you start bringing back those emotions and it's just like, oh my God, I'm not over this yet. You know, there's still a lot of hurt feeling. Well, I can't wait to see this. And, uh, I had David Benoit on my show recently. I know that you uh, did an interview with him as well. And he talked so highly about Eddie and said that, uh, you know, there was a real loss there for his dad, for Chris Benoit, when Eddie passed away. And he he thinks that, you know, that really, you know, that really put him in a a sad place. And I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see this documentary. And I'm excited to see people talking about Chris Benoit in a good way. Because other than that last weekend of his life, he's one of the greatest of all time. And oh one of the gosh. most intense performers in the ring. I mean, his legacy wouldn't have been, without his legacy, the wrestling industry wouldn't be where it is today. And I truly believe that. And, you know, Chris and Nancy stayed at my house for, you know, two weeks after Eddie passed. And I would just catch Chris on Eddie's, on my, on Eddie's side of the bed, you know, just crying or looking at his photos in his gym. And me and Nancy truly knew that this was going to be a really hard time for Chris. And we don't know if that was what set it off or, we don't know, you know, because Chris was so private, but um, I'm really excited for the fans to see the better side of Chris and, and the family and just show, we're just going to let everyone know how much he loved the kids and Nancy and, and what he did as a, as a career. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see this and I'm, I'm happy that you're a part of it too. Oh, thanks. Uh, I'll just, uh, I'll, you can interview me later on if you want. <laughs> I would love to have you back on the show. Yes, let's do it. Let's just merge, Chris. So I can take your followers, and I can have some credit with that. Just, <laughs> we'll just scratch each other's back, okay? <laughs> You've got way more followers than me on Instagram. I'll, I'll gladly uh, take some of those followers. Yeah, but I, I can look at your YouTube followers, and they'll laugh at me. They're like, "Yeah, Vicky, stay in your lane." <laughs> <laughs>
That is not true. Oh, but Chris, I like to end the show with a funny question or just a question that kind of broadens our, our, um, our knowledge of you. And my question for you is, if you could pick one day to live over again, what would that day be? Wow, that's a deep, powerful question. And I think what's interesting about this question is it really speaks to what's important in your life. Uh, I haven't been married yet, so that's not a, you know, that's not a day. I think that's an easy answer for a lot of people. I haven't had a kid yet, so that would be another easy answer for a lot of yeah. people. So <laughs> I think that, that, you know, that's a, that's a really tough one for me to answer, but yes, I, I would have him, folks. I stumped him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be I, so easy to have the cliche answer of, oh, the day that my kid was born. But I think that if, if I were to, I think what really has, has been a life changing day for me, and I don't know if it's that I'd want to live it over again because it's the best day ever, but a real life changing day for me was when I, A, decided I was going to work in the U.S. and B, actually got the opportunity to do it and like got the visa and got the job offer because that has changed my life in so many ways. And I think that that day is so pivotal and so crucial to what I'm doing now. And I love Canada. You know, that's my home country and almost all my friends and family are there. But to be able to open up the opportunity to work in the U.S., that's really changed my life. So I will say that that's the day I'm most grateful for. And because of that, that's the day that, uh, you know, I'll look back on very fondly. Awesome. Well, that's incredible. Chris, I just want to say thank you for for me to be able to call you my friend. And I'm so happy for your success. And I know you're, you're running around and have a busy day, but thank you for taking out this little part of your day to share with me. And I just, I wish you so much love and success and, and all in all of your future endeavors. Well, well, that sounds like you just fired me from WWE <laughs> with uh, the future endeavors. Thing. It, it's a little um, bit in me. It's, it's, you know, I gotta, I gotta be a little smart ass. <laughs> I have to be a smart ass and a, a nice, a nice host. So you get a little bit of everything from me today. <laughs> well, I, I, I just, I'm so proud of everything you've been doing. And it's amazing when I see you at the convention and the long lines you have and the love that, that you have for people is reciprocated back in the love that they have for you. And I, it's, I'm, I'm so happy that I can call you a friend and I can call on you if I you know, need anything. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to do this with me. Thanks, Chris. Um, safe, you know, travels on your move to LA, and I wish you and Elena such so much love in your future, and um, and I wish you just all the love that there is in the world. Well, thank you, and same to you and Chris, and uh, you know, congrats to you and Jerry on everything. And thank you. I look forward to seeing where you're going to take this thing. All right, have a great day, Chris. You too. Thanks, Vicky. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. If you need anything, let oh. me know, Vicki. I'm happy okay. to help. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my dear friend, Chris, for taking time out to do this interview on my show. Um, 
you are truly my mentor, and I appreciate all of your advice, your knowledge, and just all your great stories to share with my listeners. So thank you so much for um, taking that time out of your busy schedule to to share a little piece of your day in, on my show. And also, folks, I want to remind you that to please follow the Excuse Me Fo- podcast on your favorite platform. Uh, go to Spreaker, uh, Google, Apple. Podbean and um, download, subscribe, like, comment, and just show us that support that uh, we appreciate from all of you on a daily basis. If you want to email the podcast for any comments, feedback, suggestions, go to excuse me, Vicky at outlook.com and submit any of your ideas you have for Jerry and I. And we're, we're listening, everyone, and we're, we're reading your comments and we're on a focus to make our show better and better on a weekly basis. And now folks, it is time for our interview queens, Rotel. Take it away, Miss Alicia Atute. Hey everybody, it's Alicia Toot, and I'm so excited to welcome you all back to Tales from the Interview Queen. I have a new series on my YouTube channel. You should check it out. It's called Catching Up With, where I host chats with friends and wrestlers I don't get to run into too often. And one of those recent guests happened to be UK star Millie McKenzie. Seen on WWE, NXT UK, Progress, and tons of other promotions across the pond, she's such a fun personality to watch in the ring. Part of her fun personality is how goofy and honest she comes across, from dancing while wrestling to posting ridiculous photos of herself, she's hilarious. Now, I wanted to ask her about the types of photos she's posted, as she herself has called them gross and hideous, even though she's adorable, guys, because I was wondering, why does she want to share such vulnerable photos into the world? If you were to check out her Instagram or Twitter, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, because they're those angles you wouldn't want to share, the tucked in chin ones. It's almost like she's intentionally making them look bad. She, she's such a cute girl and she just isn't showing those angles. She's going out of her way to post these. So I was wondering why. So when I asked her, she told me she doesn't care what people think. And if she's the one to share these types of photos of herself where she looks not made up and she looks natural and goofy and she's actually making fun of herself, she said, then who cares if others make fun of her? And I loved that answer. I'm someone who posts those glamour shots, but then I post those real photos without makeup and the ones where I don't look so good. So being in the public eye, it can come with so much BS and so much judgment. And she's totally taken away that power from the trolls. And I got to give her kudos for that. I loved her answer so much. So there you guys have it. That's a quick and fun tale for the day. Thank you so, so much for listening to Tales from the Interview Queen. I'm Alicia Toot, and be sure to follow me online at Alicia Toot and check out my interviews and YouTube channel for thousands of great tales, interviews, and vlogs. Until next time, guys. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of the Excuse Me podcast. Don't forget to subscribe rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Spreaker, or your favorite podcast platform. Check out our official Facebook page at facebook.com slash excuse me Vicky or follow me on Twitter and Instagram and email us at excuse me Vicky at outlook.com with questions or comments. Until next time, excuse me! Step up to the new standard at Ram Truck Month, and you'll see why a Ram is more than you ever thought a truck could be. Well-qualified lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2020 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab 4x4 with a Hemi V8 engine for $349 a month for 42 months with $3,161 due at signing. Tax title license extra. 
Call 1-877-RAM-5722 for lease details. Requires dealer contribution to lease through Chrysler Capital. Extra charge for miles over 35000 Residency restrictions apply. Take your delivery by 331-2020. No matter how early you're up or how late you're running, when you start your day at Speedway, we've got what you need to have a good morning. Always fresh coffee to wake you up, cold drinks and breakfast to keep you going, plus a full tank to get you where you need to go. Crunchy, chewy, swirled, or sprinkled. However you start your day, we've got it. To help make your morning a little better. Because when you get off to a better start, you go on to a better day. The convenience stores of Speedway.